thanks for coming, and thanks for coming on short notice. Um, I'll briefly introduce uh, uh, Mike, but I'll also have him also introduce himself after. So, Mike founded TechCrunch, and that's how most know Mike. Um, but Mike also has transitioned um, into the cryptocurrency space uh, in a very significant way, and, and has over 10% of his net worth, if, if I'm not mistaken, in crypto. Less uh, now, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Depending on how you want to calculate the rest, I guess. Um, uh, but it's very refreshing to see uh, that people like Mike are interested in Dubai, um, be it, you know, from a legacy business side, um, and, you know, in new media and whatnot, or be it in the, in the crypto side. Um, uh, he's also brought a very special guest, Natalia, who's launched a, uh, who's, who had, you know, her own uh, uh, company in the blockchain space called Propy. Um, it's a very interesting project that a lot of us <laughs> at the office actually uh, participated in the pre-sale in, so we're very excited uh, uh, to have her here as well. So uh, make sure you, uh, you, you interact with them both as much as you can over the next couple of hours. Um, but uh, uh, Mike is in Dubai for another week, so we thought it would be a great opportunity to have a much smaller session for him here. Um, and I guess without further ado, um, Mike. And I'll be asking Mike a few questions, nothing, nothing too, too serious. Um, it'll be a 10, 15 minute thing, but I, I by no means, um, I don't wanna hog the night or the evening, so um, we'll leave a lot of room for mingling afterwards. We've got you know, coffee and all kinds of hipster food at the back, so um, yeah, thanks Mike. Um, Thank you for having me. I'll, I'll run you- Do we you really need microphones in the room? Feels um, like, yeah. unless we're, are we recording? So for uh, the, is loud, yeah. Okay. But so if there's something we want to say that we don't necessarily want recorded, you turn off the mics. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Half of what we're going to talk about is going to be that. So um, uh, sort of improvised as well. Um, I'll I'll run you through what I'm what I, what I have in mind. Uh, you've got a you're one you know, of the, I, I hate this. I, well, so you tell me. I was uh, uh, sorry to interrupt you before you even asked your first question, but I like interviewing, right? I always okay. want to interview people be, that I find interesting. Yeah. So whenever I'm being interviewed, I think, why well, I'm, I'm probably the least interesting person in the room. And that's not like a humble brag. Like, there's actually like, I, I was a blogger, right? And so I don't. I mean, I'm happy to talk, but I want to ask you some questions and maybe the audience some questions yeah. too. But yeah, but go ahead. Sure, I'll I'll prime that though, and here's how I'll prime it. Everything you see here today, everything we've done as Wamda Capital is because of a pitch line that we've constantly iterated to all of our partners, which is that Wamda.com is the tech crunch of the Middle East. <laughs> the amount of times I've stated that is, is um, I, can't even, I can't even think about it. I mean, I've, it must have happened so many times. We started out in 2011 uh, as a blog that is almost meant to replicate TechCrunch down to the bone, but in Arabic. So TechCrunch 
is a great platform, obviously, and, and thanks for it. Feels like it. I should own part of it then. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing there. Um, the fund is totally separate, but <laughs> if you want to run well, the media platform. it's not totally platform, separate, it's sort of all no, no, related. And brand, right? yeah, yeah, no, legally speaking. Um, so kind of I'm the GP yeah. in the partnership then. I guess so. And I should be getting carry checks at some point. Then. Yeah, I mean. I mean, you are the tech crunch of the Middle East, so. I guess so. Yeah, by all means. I mean, if there's is upside, there we're happy to share. Here? There's a lawyer We're here communists. Speak, yeah. We're <laughs> communist capitalists. Um, no, it's good. Um, no, no. So, so I wanted to prime that with that because we think that media really allowed us to skyrocket into all sorts of different things like events and, and eventually venture capital. And that's how we continue to build our brand name. So thanks for giving us a... Uh, an Uber for X kind of thing, so a, t uh, a warm uh, tech crunch for X, kind of a tech crunch for the Middle East kind of thing. Um, so I'm gonna divide things into three segments in my head, if, if you're okay with it. Um, one is legacy. So you've come from the media industry. What's happening with the media industry? Uh, BuzzFeed is kind of not there anymore as much as it used to be. They're losing a lot of money, so is Vice. Uh, the traditional names are popping back up. Uh, Recode are doing all kinds of podcasts about that. Um, as someone who comes from that industry, to a certain extent, can you tell us a little bit about that? And then we could transition to the, yeah. the XRP stuff. So it's a quick answer. I have no idea. And I'm not good at that. So when I did, um, the longer answer is, when I did TechCrunch, I was a guy in my pajamas at my kitchen table who was unemployed, who wanted to start writing about uh, startups to get back into the ecosystem I'd left for a couple of years. And I thought the best way to do it would be to write about startups. They'd do Google searches on themselves. They'd see, and I could network that way. And, and that's all it ever was. And so I never worried about page views. I grew, um, but we never did like link baity stuff. We never did anything to get lots of a huge audience. We just started doing events and we, and we found a way, my, my CEO Heather found a way to make a lot of money doing events. And that always led the business. And so, you know, we never raised venture capital because we never we never raised headcount above you know whatever we could afford. So when I sold the company, I owned the whole thing, and I only sold it for a relatively small amount. And if you look at the Huffington Post, which was sort of rising at the same time we were, they raised tons of venture capital, and they were the early. So you know, venture the Huffington Post people went on to found BuzzFeed and all that. So it was like the first iteration of all of that sort of I don't know viral news to get people clicking and all of that. And it costs a lot of money to do that because you have to you have to you know grow quickly. And um, and the Huffington Post sold for like three hundred million dollars, I think, uh, and we sold for a lesser amount. I made more money than Ariana Huffington by like a factor of three because I never raised any venture capital. And, and so I don't know that business. I don't know BuzzFeed's business, and I'm not. A, I, I am a shareholder in BuzzFeed through a venture fund, but I don't know anything about them. And I don't know where they're going. I know I don't like reading that. I like reading stories from the heart by a journalist who writes. You know on a topic they know about and are passionate about, and that's it. I find myself annoyed when I click on something by it's accident. It's because you're a journalist, though. That's no, I'm not. I mean, you're a blogger, I guess. So I consider yeah. that an insult. When someone, I used to say this, <laughs> like, you call it, and, and uh, it's beside the point. I, I was a journalist, um, and, but I have no idea. I would never in invest in journalism. It seems like a very hard business to make money off of, but events are a great business to make money on. So, sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so what, how did you transition uh, from, I guess, venture in the crunch fund um, to, to 
uh, to crypto, which which seems in hindsight um, like a natural transition now that you know adoption has grown. But how how did you actually make that shift? And um, you've recently put out a tweet that's that's around you know game theory of sharing deals in venture versus crypto. Uh, and you never you know, got about to writing a blog post about that. So maybe you can share a little bit more about how that transition happened and what the, the key differences are between investing in, in this space versus the traditional dinosaurish internet space. You asked a lot of questions. I'll answer the ones I feel like are most interesting and make me look the best. I, um, why crypto, how crypto versus um, venture. So I sold TechCrunch in 2010. And then in 2011, I convinced a CEO of AOL, who bought me, to fund a new venture fund and let me run it. So it was an opportunity, and I thought, let me see if I'm good at being a venture capitalist. And then I did that through three funds. I never, I never loved it because mostly companies took my money and they said, now get us on TechCrunch, you know, that, that get us all this press. And, and it was like, well, I can't just get you on TechCrunch. And well, what else can you do for me? And, and I just found it to be a bit annoying. But the thing I hated the most was when I was doing TechCrunch, all the VCs loved me. They're all my best friend because they wanted to get their companies onto TechCrunch. And then when I became a venture capitalist, I thought, oh, these are all my best friends. So we'll all just get along and we'll do deals together. And it turned out that immediately they weren't my best friends. There's this one deal that I did where we were writing a small check, they needed a lead. One of my best friends, I said, go to him. His name's Jeff Clavier, soft tech VC, he can lead. I'm an investor in his fund, the whole thing. Went to Jeff, Jeff wrote him a term sheet, and then kicked us out of the deal. And he said, uh, we want the whole deal, we love it. But I realized then that uh, even my best friend, even when I brought him to a deal, I still got kicked out. And it's just, uh, VCs see it as a zero sum game. There's one pie to split up and they want the biggest piece. And it may not be the same here, but in Silicon Valley, it sure got that way. And so I, all these best friends turned out to be competitors and we were always fighting. With crypto, skipping ahead, but now I'm in crypto, it's totally different. And I think it might stay different. And the reason is when you do VC, you place a bet, you wait five, seven, 10 years and you see how the bet, the bet goes. With crypto, uh, you are, and by the way, who in here has, has purchased Bitcoin? Okay, and then and that so like half less. Okay, and then who in here has invested in a in a token offering from a startup? Okay, so a few. And then the people that didn't raise your hand, you have some concept of how it all works, right? These companies issue tokens, and then pretty quickly you can trade them for real money if you want. Uh, because of that instant liquidity, with tokens, uh, you have the ability for a company that might end up being a dog. You could still make money off of it because of all the hype in the beginning. And so you could make money, you could get your investment back and then hold some for the long term, hoping that it's not a dog. But because of that hype factor, you actually want as many people coming to the table as possible to increase the hype as much as possible. It's not necessarily healthy long term, but it's reality. And so all the, all the big crypto funds, we all work together. And uh, there's guys in China, there's guys in Russia, there's guys in Europe, then there's me in Silicon Valley and others. And I want people in, 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 the, in the Middle East in general, but particularly Dubai as well, that's why I'm here this week, by the way, is to meet anybody in crypto here. But we all work together and then we all hype it together. And again, not necessarily healthy, but definitely reality. And so there's this sense of camaraderie uh, and that the more people you get involved in a deal, the bigger the pie gets instead of I just need the biggest size. So I love that. I love that about crypto right now is that everybody's working together. Um, and it's pretty exciting. Now you asked a different question though, which is how I got into it. Yeah. I thought it was all, um, so I, uh, I met Natalia March last year 
and she was telling me about her startup and the ICO that she was doing. And I said, what's an ICO? And she said, oh, well, it's this thing where you give me money and then we don't give you equity. And I said, oh, so you give me debt. And she's like, no, no, we give you this token back. And I said, oh, what token? She said, well, we create that token. And I said, oh, so you take my money and you give me nothing back. And she's like, no, we get a token. You're going to make tons of money. Don't worry about it. And I said, this sounds, it's not even like a pyramid scheme. It just sounds like overt fraud. And, and, and she kept talking to me and I kept watching. And, and then she did her deal and I invested. I've made money. Uh, and I realized that there's actually something here. And so um, there's a lot of hoops to go through because of securities laws in terms of what a security or what a token can give you. But there are some deals out there that are quite cool. And, and, I, and, I, and after watching her do her deal and then meeting people in her friends group, and I started doing more deals, I realized there's some really interesting stuff going on. And if you can get around the fact that you have no actual ownership interest in the company, and that you have to trust them a little bit, there's some really fun projects happening. Absolutely. Um, That's to, it. I guess to speak to that, you've, um, you've invested in, in, in several projects, so Proppy's one, obviously, uh, Data, uh, Helios, Nexo. Can you tell us more about what, what excites you and, and what are some of the exciting projects you're seeing now? You said Helios. Yeah, what's it called? Helios? Well, there's a company called Helios in Vancouver that makes watches. Yeah, is that the one? They make, <laughs> like, they're a micro brand and they make like 200 watches a year. And I've been desperately trying to get one. Oh, there you go. But it has nothing to do with crypto, but I've tweeted about them. So I just wonder if you saw that and thought it no. was a deal. Uh, I don't know of anything there's called an, Helios. There's a Helios yeah. ICO, but I, I assumed you were doing that. I'm interested because I like the name. But, maybe, uh, maybe it's the same company. Sorry, go ahead. I, I don't know much about the company. Um, I actually don't know anything about it. I just assumed that, that you had done it. Um, not they, through the tweet, but I knew they were ICOing. Um, what are some of the exciting projects you're getting into? Well, there's some more stories here. So, um, just trying to figure out how much I can say. So, um, well, some of the ones that you've already revealed, maybe. No, no, it's not whether I can reveal, it's whether I can show their dirty laundry. So, I can talk <laughs> about a company without naming it and tell the dirty laundry. That's more interesting, I think, than, yeah, oh, I invested in this great deal Do and it. that great deal. Um, it's another, I was talking to Natalia earlier today, and so, you know, I woke up this morning, and those of you who know anything about crypto know that the markets are, like, not good. Uh, and, and, and I was like, wow, I think I lost $20 million today. And, and she was telling me, you know, don't mention that later today when you meet people because it makes you look weak. Yeah. And, and, I'm, I'm, and, I, and it's true, right? But part of me is just, like, I do think I screw up all the time. And I think it's actually more interesting to hear the screw-ups as well. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I lost... $20 million last night. And that's a lot of money. Yeah. And it's not my money. It's well, someone else's money. But you haven't lost it until you, till you've exchanged that to fiat, though. So it's, it's all paper loss. I don't, I don't think my LPs would see it that way. But possibly. Yeah. I'll tell them that yeah. when they call. But um, there are deals I've done that looked good at the time that, that turned out to be really bad. Again, that's not what you asked. But I think the failures are more interesting. There's a company sure. that we invested in that is, um, I think, largely considered by insiders to be the most promising ICO out there and it hasn't launched yet. Um, we invested, we were the first money in, we invested with some of the most prominent venture capitalists and crypto funds. They raised a tiny first round 
and then uh, like four million, and then they were going to raise a big round. That's Ton, probably. The, the pardon? The, is that the the Telegram ICO? No, it's not because Telegram. It's not. But also, stop guessing because if you guess, I'm just going to stop talking. About it. <laughs> Telegram's raising like two billion. Yeah. But this company, a tiny amount, and then a huge round. They got a bunch of press, bunch of excitement, very sexy. Everybody wants to be in the round, much like Telegram, by the way. And then they started fighting. And so, oh, I know the one. Yeah, I'm well, not going to say, say it. Yeah, but go ahead. Uh, and so I found in this case, if you have two, if you have one psychopath CEO, you're good. If you have a narcissist CEO, you're probably good. They can be successful, but two narcissists are really bad if they're both at the head of a company. Right. So this company had two people that were co-founders. They kind of decided by a flip of a coin who the CEO was. They're both narcissists, and they fought. And they fought before they even actually raised the big money or launched a product, and they've ripped the company apart. And the insiders now know, no one else knows, but watching a company that is so promising and so could be good for the world destroy itself from the inside out is so sad. Right. And so I know now when you have two very strong-willed narcissist founders just walk away. Well, I guess, I guess to that point then, um, a characteristic that you must have picked up both uh, uh, at TechCrunch, but more importantly at, Crunch, uh, at, at the Crunch Fund is that um, you're investing in teams, right? And that might not necessarily be obvious at, at, at face value to a retail investor who hasn't necessarily done pre-launch companies or ICOs or whatnot. So, you know, a lot of the hype that you spoke about earlier in, in the ICO space and in the crypto space is... Um, it's just that, obviously just hype, but a lot of retail investors just buying into visions rather than teams, right? So you might have the least sexy product out there ICOing, but you love the team and you're like, I'm going to give the money no matter what. So I guess that is a characteristic that, you know, do you, do you feel like in this space the rules still stand that it is a founder first, founder based kind of model yeah. and it will continue to be that? Yeah, I don't think it's, I think that's very similar to venture. Sure. The team matters the most. Um, and and you have well like when Natalia first started raising money, uh, again I don't know if you want me saying this or not, but she was going to have a token that gave a percentage of revenue in the company. Sure. And her lawyers kind of put the kibosh on that, so it changed over time. So the product is nothing like it originally was. Yeah. But you know she's the most like just tenacious individual I've ever met. I mean she's right. like she's like five feet tall, and she built <laughs> hotels in Bulgaria where you know you're talking about hulking like construction managers who don't work for women, have never have worked for women, and she's like, you go do this and go do this, and she built hotels. Nice. And so somebody that can build hotels in Bulgaria at her size yeah. <laughs> comes to Silicon Valley, and you just realize very That's quickly, she's never going to give up. Yeah. And so that was an instant yes, right? Yeah. Um, because, and her product has changed and continues to change, yeah. but it's just it's going to work. So that's always a huge... Good. Yeah. Um, and then you have the That's guys. Usually, you know, yeah. the, the women outperform the men in that aspect, and and and, and I have to admit it because our portfolio companies, most of our women founders are more tenacious and more resilient than the men founders. They I, also have I mean, something to prove. Like I think yeah. many women founders feel as though if they screw up, that's just another way for men to look down on women and right. say, "Look." And so I think there's this additional pressure sometimes for women, right? Uh, which is too bad. But yeah. I think that sometimes that women try even harder, and it's. I can't think of too many bets we placed on women founders that didn't work out yeah, really well. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah. Same. Um, so maybe you can tell us a little bit about the, the new fund you've launched, the XRP fund. Um, yeah. wh why, um, 
why you've, you know, first of all, what makes you different to other hedge funds that are out there similar to Polychain or, or Pantera or, or any of the others? Or, uh, and, and, and second of all, maybe why, why Ripple specifically? Um, and, and maybe we'll get to that, you know, I'll, I'll do a follow-up to that question after. So the, um, why, why a hedge fund? We didn't ask, answer that before. Uh, and I mentioned, you're raising your new fund now. Venture, yeah. Yes, and I said, make sure you have a piece for crypto. And you guys said, absolutely. Sure. What we didn't have time to get into was what that means and, and what you think it means. But yeah. at Crunch Fund, you know, you, if, you may, if you place a bet and then you have a return, you give that money back to LPs. That's right. And you can, I mean, even if it's a two days later and you've 10x your money, you give that. And so with our venture fund, we could recycle, I think, 25% of our capital. But that's nice. actually not very much. No. And with, uh, when you're making token investments, you invest, sell, invest, sell, invest, sell, and hopefully you have a big pile of money at the end that's bigger than the pile you started with. Uh, my pile right now is smaller than the pile I started with, which is, again, not supposed to mention that, but it, um, <laughs> and, and, darn. It'll come out sooner or later. It's just, yeah. yeah. Uh, we're gonna do better, I promise. But, um, but uh, Crunch Fund, we did a few investments, including, including in property and a couple of others, including that company that's face planting. And then we were like, we're tapped out. Like we just can't yeah. keep doing these deals. And 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 so I said, well, and then I'm going to go create a, a hedge fund to nice. do this. And so that that happened. Now, I created from the time I said I'm going to create a hedge fund to in December when I announced it was like two months. Right. And and then I had half the fund raised. And the reason why it was two months was because. Um, I know somebody who has a huge pile of XRP. Yeah. And and they needed to diversify. And so I raised XRP and then it made sense to call the fund Arrington XRP Capital. Sure. And Do you want to just um, for those who don't know yeah. what to say what XRP is and Oh, you guys don't know uh, so XRP is, is the token for Ripple, but Yeah, there's a company called Ripple. They have a token called XRP. It's very centralized. There's only five nodes. People hate it. Uh, it also, because it only has five nodes and it's very centralized, you can transfer money in one second for 20 cents. We, our first closing was 50 million and it, and, we, and it moved in less than two seconds and it cost like 30 cents to move. And so it's awesome. And it's the second, or I think now it's the third largest crypto right. uh, asset. So we're denominated. We could have been called the Arrington Bitcoin Fund if I right. had somebody with a big pile of Bitcoin doing yeah. this. So, uh, but other than that, there's really no reason we're called XRP. Sure. We immediately diversified. I think we have five or seven million dollars of XRP now and the rest nice. is in other assets. Sure. So, yeah. Um, and then what makes us different? Yeah. Absolutely nothing. So that's again, like I want to, <laughs> like I, I, I do have good instincts with PR yeah. and I have helped with that, but I'm just another person that I think can add some value and I work with guys, you know, like Pantera and yeah. Polychain and FBG and many others and I think they're all just as good as me yeah. and we work together and we get deals done. So I But you also have the, the venture background and, and again the key to that I feel is is you're able to pick good teams. Um, and and well, maybe. I mean yeah, yeah, okay, I think I'm I, you I don't have to be good at that. You just have yeah. to be better than everyone else, right? Because that's I mean, yeah. you know, you have to outperform your peers. That's all that matters. Yeah. Um, so if we wanted to take a macro kind of perspective on crypto um, a little bit more. So, you know, last year was fun. Um, I think this year is going to be bumpy for two or three reasons. One, regulators are going to start, you know, taking a lot more serious, you know, and more definitive action. Uh, so are banks. Um, but also the onus is on a lot of these uh, tokens to start delivering products and use cases. Um, how do you see this playing out over the next year or two? Um, and what, what, how do you, you know, how long are you on this in the sense that would, 
what do you think it'll look like in two I or three no years? I, I, yeah. When I announced the fund in New York, a guy asked me, talk to me about you know, what's going to happen. And I'm like, I don't know. Nobody actually knows. Like, we can all say we know. But I mean, anybody this time last year, if I was sitting here a year ago and you said, what does the crypto space look like this year? I don't think I could have said, oh, I, you know, I, I think Ether is going to, you know. And forget pr price for aside. So just. just uh, uh, yeah, regulations coming, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, we talked about um, some of the exchanges have like just yeah. this huge backup in new customers. Sure. And people can't, who want to get into crypto can't. And so there is this waiting list. And, yeah. and even once you get your account, getting money into the exchange is a whole other problem. Yeah. When we talk to some of the exchanges in the United States, they talk about that same problem, but at the hedge fund and private equity level, where you've got sure. these guys who want to put money in, but they don't understand custody. They don't understand how to do it. And so they're waiting and trying to figure it out. So you've got this tidal wave of cash yeah. ready to pile in. And, and to me, this tidal wave of cash is this important and this high. And then you know, SEC regulation and bank issues, et cetera, even the size of the global economy is like these little things down yeah. here. This tidal wave of cash is going to crash into this, and, and that means that you can have a lot of screw-ups and still do well. Yeah. That's the only thing I'm fairly certain of. Yeah. So I think that, you know, I think that we're, we're at a 300, what, what are it, $300 billion in crypto to yeah. assets today, 400, I don't know. You know it's got to be multi-trillions by the end yeah. of the year. I mean, it has to be. And so. is, that, is that, you think, primarily, you know, is that pile of cash just fed up with traditional financial instruments and the financial system, or do they just want to be in to make a quick buck? Is that, what, what's driving I, that cash? Oh, I, th I think it's, it's just chasing returns. And so sure. if you look at the returns over the last year, or even the life of Bitcoin, anybody who say is, is running money in a family office or a huge pension fund, yeah. they're like, we have to get some money into this because yeah. it just makes sense. So that, that some, some of that money has to flow in. And you're talking about, you know, many, many, many trillions of dollars sitting on the sideline doing things. Some trillion of that has to end up in crypto. And your, your LP to. base, did, are you, did, were you surprised by the types of LPs you've raised from, you know, or, or were you disappointed in that a, a certain type of LP didn't come in or was it diverse enough no, for you to? I, no, I'm happy with my LPs. I also have very, at CrunchFund we had many LPs and it's yeah. a pain. Sure. Now we have few LPs, much bigger and it's great, but I want, I, I want, someone from Dubai to invest in the fund and then I'll be, I'm done yeah. because I want Russian money. I want Chinese money. I want American money and I want and I, European as well a little bit, sure. but Russia, uh, but I need something in the Middle East because stuff's happening here and I yeah. need a, I need a connection. If I don't get an LP here, I need to solidify my friendships with you and others yeah. just so I know what's happening here because it's sure. a bit opaque from Silicon Valley looking at the Middle East. It's a little opaque as to what's happening here in tech. It's, it's, so, yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, it's opaque to, to a lot of us here as well. We need like a tech crunch of the Middle East. Yeah, step, where's step at? Right there. That's, um, one that played. So how many people here are founders? Of what? Of companies. Yeah. Who's a founder? And then. And are, are every founder here you've invested in? Uh, I think so. Uh, or, or are going to, or we really like. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, we like everyone here. I ain't got safe to say. And if you're not a founder, what, what do you do? <laughs> they, Other, they, uh, they pay. Service providers. We can, and, yeah, yeah, I guess we can. Um, uh, yeah, who's, who, who does what? I think we can just do just a very quick kind of VC. VC. Corporate communications. Let me do an Oprah here. Nice. Hi, I'm Lynn, corporate communications. Media analysis. Uh, an 
equity capital market Emerson really? <laughs> that sounds complicated. <laughs> Content and translation. On demand tech support. Okay. Uh, we know who Natalia is. So who, who's doing a token sale? That's what I want to know. Come on, somebody's got it. Why are you guys not doing token sales? You get to get money and you don't have to that's give equity. That's so 2017. That's, that's old news. It's over now, okay. <laughs> I don't know, it just seems like free money. Natalia can tell you how to do it and yeah. we'll invest. And I'm gonna ask yeah. Natalia up in a second as well. Um, yeah, oh. Because so so I think it's good, it's good to learn what that process was like and, and uh, Dubai real estate is, um, is somewhat of a black box, but it's also um, very exciting for a lot of people. A lot of people made a lot of money in real estate here, especially buying off-plan stuff. But um, this is a perfect segue. Let's get Natalia up yeah, here for sure. now. I'm Let's good. Do I'm and done. then, yeah, I'm yeah. I'm done too. But and then you tell us why you're here in the in the region, and then what what you guys are doing here. Okay, great. Sure. Natalia, come. You're oh. Yeah, okay. okay. Thank you. Hi everyone. Hey, um, first of all, um, well, thanks for coming again. Um, maybe you, you can give us a quick brief of what Proppy is um, and what your objective is and, and what your vision is. Yeah, so Proppy is a global real estate marketplace with decentralized title registry. Nice, um, straight to the point. So how would that work for a, uh, a retail investor, for example? For individual property investors, we simplify the process of investing in properties in global cities. Okay, nice. Um, how would that uh, play out in a city like Dubai where um, there's a little bit complexity with regards to who can own what in terms of property? Um, We're just focusing on specific deals, uh, only cash buyers, uh, residential properties. So for now, we're just trying to simplify the processes. We're working with brokers and notaries. They all come um, in our platform to close the deals. And we're trying to be an Amazon for real estate so that in the future people can just uh, log in and buy property on the go. Nice. Um, with blockchain. Good. Yeah. Um, and I guess um, you, did a, you did launch a, a token sale, an yeah. ICO, um, and the, the, the token is property. How do you use, how, what's, what's the, the value of a, of a property in, on yeah. the platform? How do, so how do you use Initially, a when we decided that we want to automate uh, the real estate purchase, we saw that it's also impossible to bring trust between governments, notaries, brokers, buyers, and sellers. So blockchain is the ideal technology to build this trust. Uh, and when uh, all this hype with ICOs came and we felt that it's already safe to, to do a token sale and VCs are receptive to this idea, we decided why not to bring a token into this smart uh, contract system that we have built already uh, so that we can make a token sale. So uh, today the uh, property token unlocked smart contracts for purchase uh, of a property and uh, operating the land registry. So we are suggesting governments, this is why we're also here, we're suggesting governments to um, implement our open source title registry running on Ethereum blockchain uh, for free. Uh, and then when people are doing transactions on this system, there is a property token fee that is needed to be paid. Sure. And then this... this um Effectively, the property token just disintermediates the, the middlemen in the process and, and the escrow agents, effectively. Is that, is that how you see it? Yes. For example, we did our first uh, 
sale with Michael in Kiev. He bought an apartment in Kiev, nice. and uh, during this transaction, he paid ether uh, to the seller, uh, and the smart contract played the role of escrow company. So okay. there was no any entity, neither uh, notary, neither escrow company, neither Propy is a company hold those funds before certain conditions are done, before sure. the notary signed off, uh, yeah. before the purchase agreement uh, was signed, everything, w the funds were held uh, in the smart contract. Sure. So um, I guess before I open up, obviously, the audience, um, just so that I, because I want it to be a lot more interactive, what's the best and the worst thing about a, a token sale? Well, uh, for the last half a year, uh, there have been so many changes. Yeah. Our lawyers were very, very traditional and conservative. And right. in the end of the day, we're very thankful to them. So the worst thing was, uh, I guess, working with lawyers. Yeah. Like we, we yeah. That, you said the it's, worst it's, or the best? Well, it's, it's both. Uh, yeah. Because when we were writing our white paper, we were re rewriting it three or four times, yeah. spending three, four hours daily I had to spend together yeah. with my CTO. Uh, to review the comments of the lawyers, yeah. and we were thinking, come on, why are they asking those that, stupid questions? That's not very different that's to a fund. Uh, yeah. when, when we wrote our PPM, we had to just basically write it with the assumption that a lawyer is going to read it. So yeah. that's not too different. Yeah. Well, so I'm, I, I haven't been a VC, so I didn't yeah. know <laughs> that. Uh, I thought that if you write a technical mm -hmm. paper uh, and you also describe your business right. objectives. Uh, the lawyers only have to check everything to be uh, compl uh, in compliance with the law. However, they were rewriting many, many phrases and that was the difficult part and also now we're very thankful to them. They were guiding us on how to do mar marketing properly, sure. uh, how to not be a security token uh, to be, I mean, not to be, but uh, not uh, to allow SEC uh, to think and hesitate that probably it is a security token. Sure. Uh, and then building the community is very important. That was very hard and we're still struggling, but finally I think we have we found uh, the right people to build the community. Um, you, and you've, you had some, some great also advisors, I guess, like you know, oh, Vinny yes. and, and, and yes, a bunch of the yes, other kind yeah. of... Vinny Lincoln, yeah. Jeremy Gardner, Michael, uh, David sure. Cohen from Basemore Venture. Um, yeah, great, great people advising sure. us. And Vinny Lincoln, he did uh, his talking sale uh, sure. before us. So yeah. very often I would uh, ask for advice. However, he's mainly advising us on KYC and identity stuff. Yeah, because yeah. uh, that's that's what he's doing, I guess. Yeah. So, um, so what, what do you, what do you, what, what's next for you in Dubai, I guess, or, or the Middle East? How do you? How do you take this to the next level? Yeah, well, here we are very interested to talk to the um, governments uh, regarding the adoption of our land registry. Um, but if even we won't succeed uh, with collaborations with governments, our transaction platform uh, is planned to be adopted for the Dubai uh, real estate ecosystem so that we can help foreign buyers like crypto millionaires, Chinese uh, real estate investors to buy properties here. First as a whole, whole units uh, and then probably uh, we will start tokenizing Fra fractions. Yeah, fractions. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that would be exciting. Yeah, and there are already, uh, I think, three companies tokenizing buildings here, right. and we are inviting them also to um, list their properties in uh, on, property on as a marketplace. A token. Yeah. That's, that's exciting. Um, I think it's a great market for that, just just because you know, 
it's always been a real estate kind of, you know, a hot yeah. real estate market. Yeah, sure. um, so a anybody who is interested to learn about how to make token sale, please uh, come and ask. Um, cool. I guess um, if anyone has any questions, um, I think seize the opportunity. Otherwise, you can you can chat to our wonderful guests after. Yeah. Oh, pass you the mic. Uh, token sale is it uh, at all a threat? Sorry, Ali, uh, healthcare guy. Um, token sale is that at all a threat to governments that uh, make money on the transaction itself? How do you how do you give governments the share of, of the transaction when, for example, in Dubai, every time a property changes hands, there's a 4% uh, fee that the government takes? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. How do you know? <laughs> We've been discussing that um, uh, two days ago with a group of uh, the leading real estate developers. Uh, so that's really easy because we customize smart contracts for um, each jurisdiction uh, and we set this um, distribution uh, of funds uh, and taxes to the government from the smart contract. Anyone else? Okay. Oh yeah, there's someone at the back. Um, just a basic question. What was the first thing you had to do to get your token off the ground? Oh yeah, uh, I'm Andrew. I'm a co-founder of a company called Seas. We're um, meta search engines for car, uh, for cars. So I think the first things. Um, well, first of all, you need to have a company already, team. I don't believe that you can just decide, okay, let's do token sale, let's get people uh, and let's start. I think at this stage, you already have to have a company, you, have a, you need to have good advisors uh, and uh, a product, or at least close to, to release a product. And then the first thing, once you decided, yes, we are ready to go, you start building the community, like Telegram and social media, and white paper with lawyers. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, finding a right service providers and uh, lawyers is very, very crucial. Uh, today, the best uh, service providers, they normally have huge queues. Uh, and so it's also very hard to get there. They are doing due diligence. Once you are with the best service providers, that means that you will um, have a successful token sale. Peter Sade, VC. Um, we're talking about token sales. Can we talk about the risks? For example, we hear a lot about hacking, about phishing, about yeah. scams. So you had a successful token sale, but some people got you know, conned out of uh, good money. Yeah, I didn't mention security because our CTO, he's a, a cybersecurity specialist, so we were very safe on that end. However, we had about a thousand uh, attacks daily when we did uh, token sales. So it's, it's really, really important. And the best thing uh, is to, again, to hire a professional um, service provider for security. Uh, what was the other so, question? So what happens if, for example, someone hacks into your database and steals the emails of people? And do you feel some kind of obligated to, to do something or just, you know? Well, uh, actually, one of our service providers, uh, they got hacked and emails of our token sales or token purchases were stolen. Uh, 
uh, and they received the messages about new token sales. That's the only thing that they had, uh, but they were not asked to send money uh, to other accounts. And as of today, um, we don't uh, have uh, this bear this uh, legal risk if something like uh, that like that happens. Okay. Um, thanks so much. Um, appreciate your your insights, both of you. And uh, you. I guess time to time to mingle. Thanks. Thank you.